welcome to today's episode of the What We're Watching podcast. I'm Megan. And I'm Jenny. Today we're talking about Legally Blonde. I love this movie. This is one of my all-time favorite movies. How about you? I actually completely forgot about how much I liked this movie mm-hmm. until I rewatched it for this episode. I was squealing. Yeah. I was squealing the entire time. <laughs> and I'm not a squealer. <laughs> it holds up. It really holds up. I watched it and my husband, Brian, was convinced he was not interested in watching it with me. And then he just kind of lingered in the corner of the room and eventually sat down and watched the entire thing. And we both laughed out loud the entire time. It was great. (laughs) My boyfriend, Robert, did the exact same thing. Yeah. So in case you're wondering, it holds up. Everybody go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime. If you haven't seen it in a while, you can watch it for free there if you have Prime. As much as a lot of this movie aged really well, which I was pleasantly surprised by, it didn't all. Like, the movie was not very diverse, and some of the stereotypes were particularly cringe. Yeah, like the pool boy. Yeah, obviously, like a lot of movies from this time, I think there's infinite room for improvement when it comes to having diverse people in the cast having diverse characters. I think we really missed out a lot on that, and I think it would only make the movie that much better. So I'm looking forward to Legally Blonde 3 to see if they kind of course correct a little bit on that part. Yeah, and I I think for a movie that was made 22 years ago, it has held up really well. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. It still left, left me with warm and fuzzies, although... I am also a white woman, (laughs) so I just want to own my privilege in that, where I can see if you weren't, this would feel like it was really leaving you out in some ways. Like, I I do really think it was, it, it, yeah, it falls very much in the early 2000s, white feminist, a little bit of the girl boss energy Mm -hmm. that we thankfully don't see quite as much in modern feminist movies like the Barbie movie. Yeah. So a little two-sentence synopsis of the movie. I'm just going to read this. Elle Woods, a fashionable sorority queen, is dumped by her boyfriend. She decides to follow him to law school. While she's there, she figures out that there is more to her than just her looks. This movie is really interesting because I went in not knowing if it would hold up because it has so many stereotypes in it. And I think we'll get into this more later, but the backbone of the movie, I feel, is Elle Woods' stereotype of being like a dumb blonde woman. And I didn't know how that would feel watching it now, even though it is thought of as a feminist movie. I wasn't sure if it was going to be very 90s, early 2000s feminist. And there's definitely a touch of that, but it was still so good to watch. I forgot how funny it is and how quotable it is. Like everything that they said in that movie, I was like, I remember the exact quote. And I didn't know. And it had been so long since I had seen it. It was just really nice. Yeah, I I knew so many words as I was (laughs) watching. And I'm obnoxious and watch everything with subtitles. So I was just a menace to watch it with. (laughs) Do you have a favorite quote? My new favorite quote is when she is introducing herself. And she's like, I'm Elle Woods and this is Bruiser Woods. And we're both Gemini vegetarians. (laughs) Yeah, that's one of my favorites too. Whoever said orange is the new pink was seriously disturbed. (laughs) Yeah, classic. Honestly, I love every time she's talking about Harvard, like when she's talking to her admissions counselor and she's like, okay, what are your backups? And she's like, I don't need backups. I'm going to Harvard. (laughs) I love the confidence. 
Oh, another one is um, when she talks to Vivian and Warner and sees that they're engaged for the first time. And she's like, I'm sorry. I just hallucinated. <laughs> anyway, Reese Witherspoon is just so talented and so funny. And I always forget how funny she is. She is so good in this role. She's perfect. And I think she really put the work in. She's like the stereotypical sorority girl, except she's really nice. I don't remember seeing that really too often. No. They almost like humanized the dumb blonde sorority girl stereotype into a person that is really smart and kind. And I was reading about the movie and I I read something. I'm going to butcher this quote, but I read something along the lines of this movie just is feminist in the face of misogyny like it just doesn't like she doesn't change herself because of the misogyny or sexism around her and that's what makes it so powerful that even though she does fall in in those stereotypes we see her continue to be confident anyway very much it reminds me so much of barbie we talked about this in the barbie episode but it's the same vibe same oh gosh what's the saying same sentence different fonts yeah it's that to me like stereotypical beautiful blonde woman that everybody else kind of sees as like vapid and dumb and silly and not smart really comes into herself is confident no matter what everybody else says and just keeps living and to see a woman do that on screen is really cool and it's hilarious along the way i feel like this summer is for the girls this summer is for the girls (laughs) between the eras tour beyonce's tour barbie the summer i turned pretty the summer i turned pretty Yeah, there's so much girliness happening. And I love that it's girly. Like, it's very youthful girly, which I think in the past has really been seen as, like, silly girly. Like, people making friendship bracelets and wearing sparkly outfits and pink and platform shoes. Just, like, all the things that are happening right now. And to see it be very embraced by people of a lot of different ages is really cool. Yeah. Oh, I, I love the different ages. For me personally, being in my late 20s, this summer I've like embraced my inner child and it's been so much fun. Yeah. The friendship bracelets. I made so many for Taylor Swift. Same. <laughs> Same. Which t- that's a, this is a side tangent that we shouldn't go into. But did you see that Carly Kloss went to the latest the last show of the Aeros tour? I heard that someone who must not be named went to that night. But I was like, is it Carly Kloss? And then I was like, no, because no one's talking about it. It was? Yes, it was. <gasps> Guys, this is the best because Jenny is not on TikTok. And so <laughs> whenever there's like widespread TikTok news, I feel like you don't always know right away. But yeah, she showed up and she sat in the general, in the gen pop seats, in the 200 levels with her billionaire friends, which makes me think that Taylor did not invite her, which is interesting. Why did she go? I know. The balls. The balls on that woman. Unless it was planned, which I doubt, because I think she would have been in the VIP tent. No, that's cringe. Yeah. Oh, no. Yeah. I know. (laughs) I know. It's painful. Okay, anyway, for those of you who are not avid Taylor Swift uh, gossipers, we don't have to stick on that for too long. (laughs) However, if you are also losing your shit, please message us on Instagram. We would love to freak out with you. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Back to the Barbie similarities. I saw this quote that I really liked that said, the legally blonde movie walked so that Barbie could run. Love it. Uh, Stab me in the heart. I really felt that rewatching it. It is. Yeah. To me, it is just the same thing. Different fonts completely. Like it's this. The message is so similar and they just like hit you in the heart in the same way, I think. Yeah. Agree. 
Okay, so should we get into a little bit of the background on the movie? Who wrote it? Who was involved? Kind of how it came to be? Yeah, tell us about it. Okay, so this was actually adapted from a novel, which I had no idea. Did you know that? I read that Amanda Brown, who wrote the novel, wrote it based on her own experience. Yeah, I had no idea. And then a couple of the, the two screenwriters on the movie, Kirsten Smith and Karen McCullough, I think is how you say it, got the manuscript for the book and decided they wanted to pitch it as a movie as well. And they were thinking of it as this cross between Clueless and The Paper Chase. I love that they pitched it that way. Yeah. I, I've never seen The Paper Chase. I don't know what it is. But when I was watching the movie, I was like, this is really reminding me of Clueless. And so, I have a secret. I've what? actually never seen Clueless. <gasps> we have to watch it. <laughs> I know. I know. I've always wanted to see it. But I know the like aesthetic of Clueless because I feel like it's so all over pop culture and it comes up every once in a while and it, it gives the same vibes, I think. Rich, privileged, white, blonde girl mm-hmm. with a great attitude, I think, is all you need to know. <laughs> yeah. Something that was interesting to me is along those lines, they were thinking of this as like a raunchy 70s movie a la American Pie. Apparently the first script was like really raunchy. Which I cannot picture. No, can't imagine at all. Yeah, that's so weird to me. And I'm happy that it ended up how it did. But it's funny that that's what this story was originally because it feels so far from where they landed. But the screenwriters did always imagine Reese in the role and she was the first person that they sent it to to read, like of the actors. So that was spot on and always going to happen. She was kind of on the cusp of fame. Like she wasn't a household name yet, but she had been in some big projects. And this was what really put her on the map. What a good choice. But I did hear that there were some other actresses that were considered for the role. Oh. And some of them were a big surprise. Who? Katherine Heigl. Ooh. I think she would have done fine. Yeah. This was around the same time, I feel like, as when Grey's Anatomy started, right? I feel like maybe. And that's when that's when I feel like Katherine Heigl really took off, too. Mm-hmm. So I feel like her and Reese were maybe in a similar position in their careers. Okay. The other one that they were considering was... Alicia Silverstone, who is Cher in Clueless. Is this the blonde girl in Clueless? The blonde girl in Uh, Clueless. So that makes sense. Yeah. Christina Applegate was considered. Oh, wow. And this one is just a shock to me. But I don't remember her from this era, so maybe she was different back then. But Gwyneth Paltrow. Oh, yeah, all of these would have made for such different movies, especially if the script was different, too. The combination of the script being raunchy and one of those other actresses, I think, would have been really different. Yeah. Um, then they ended up working with Selma Blair, who plays Vivian, because of Reese, I believe, because her and Reese were friends because they did Cruel Intentions together. And I think they had someone else in mind for the role of Vivian, but that person would have, like, a scheduling issue. And so they ended up with Selma, which is so cute because I think they're still friends today. And then for Emmett, they called Emmett's character in writing the script the, quote, Luke Wilson character. And Luke Wilson is the one that ends up playing him. But this kind of reminds me of Ryan Gosling in the Barbie movie, because I don't think the screenwriters knew Luke Wilson. And then they just kind of went out on a whim and were like, should we ask Luke Wilson to play the Luke Wilson guy in the movie? And he said, yes. I love that. Also, I guess I didn't realize how big he was back then that that they would write him into the script basically same because to me no offense he is owen wilson's brother yes although i love him and i love him in this movie and i wish he was in more stuff he's a great character in this movie 
I do have something to say about him being Owen Wilson's brother. Oh. I don't know if this is me just really reading into the movie, but there is a line where Emmett says something like, I wonder what I would look like blonde. Or like... He does. Like, I wonder if I could pull it off. Something like that. And my first thought was Owen Wilson. Because Owen Wilson is blonde. And then I was like, did they just call him out? Was that a shout out? I don't know. Probably. I didn't even think about that. Because I think Elle is just like, I don't... I'm not sure if you could handle it. Or something funny. (laughs) That's cute. So something cool also that the screenwriters did when they were writing the script. Or maybe this was after it was written to just kind of get good character background is they went to a law school for a week with some of the cast to like eavesdrop on conversations and just like see what the students were doing there, which I think is so smart and like so cute to imagine like Reese and these screenwriters like on a little field trip to law school. Um, And so one of the things they did was walked around and saw some students on the lawn sitting in a circle introducing themselves. So that's where they got the idea for that iconic scene. Wow. Oh, the one with your favorite quote. Yeah, Gemini yeah. vegetarians. <laughs> yeah. Um, then they also went to a sorority. And at the sorority, I thought this was really interesting. Everybody there was wearing pink. And that's where they got the pink for Elle's character. Before this, they didn't have that piece. And then once they saw the sorority girls wearing pink, they're like, oh, we should make this just like a cornerstone of who Elle is. How could they not? Yeah. I, it seems so obvious now. But... I know. It seems like ingrained in the character. But no, not originally. Wow. Another funny like part of that story is Reese and the screenwriters took all the girls out to margaritas <laughs> and they, yes, they bought all the girls marg, all, margs, all the sorority girls were getting wasted and the people there from the production were drinking water so that they could take notes. <laughs> oh my gosh. They were studying hard. Yeah. Yeah. And Reese studied very hard for this. Apparently, people made fun of her because of how seriously she was taking the role of sorority girl. But she has this really sweet quote that I want to read. I could have gone into this and been really ditzy and played what I would have thought this character was. And I would have missed a whole other side of her. But by going to down to Beverly Hills, hanging out in Neiman Marcus, eating in their cafe and seeing how these women walk and speak, I got into the reality of the character. I saw how polite these women are. And I saw how much they value their female friendships and how important it is to support each other. I love that. So nice. That kind of goes back to what we were talking about, about her feeling like a real human and Mm -hmm. not just a stereotype or like a stereotype brought to life. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, Something funny that they cut from Elle's character is her Judge Judy obsession. Stop. (laughs) apparently in the original script that was like another hallmark of her personality was that she'd be like oh my gosh just like judge judy all the time (laughs) and that's part of what got her interested in like the legal world and then they cut it i'm kind of surprised me too i heard that they couldn't get judge judy but they wanted her to do a cameo in the video essay oh (laughs) which would have been great amazing yeah i love her video essay it's so funny it's so funny so funny but it definitely is one of the cringier moments i feel like like when you are watching this back with the 2023 lens and then kind of like in the beginning the very beginning intro of the movie there's a really pretty girl that rides by on a bike a bunch of guys playing football and she's like hey boys and is like smiling as they're like yelling at her and i'm like i don't think now a woman being like catcalled by a bunch of boys on a college campus would be portrayed like she's having the best time ever 
And that gave me the same vibes as in the video essay, where, like, Elle is in a bikini to get into Harvard, and, like, this table of men that are evaluating her are just, like, ogling the screen. (laughs) Which, like, I just don't, I don't know if that would be done today, but maybe I'm being too critical. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think it would be, but she's just so naive that I don't think she was trying to use her sexuality or anything to get into Harvard. She just, she's just innocent and she just Mm -hmm. wanted to make a cool video and got a Coppola to direct it. (laughs) Yeah, I caught that this time we were watching it. It speaks to how this movie uses stereotypes for both. I think the best and worst parts of this movie are the stereotypes. Like in Elle's admissions video, her being sort of sexualized or like objectified by the admissions board is kind of like a gross stereotype of like older men letting a woman in when she doesn't deserve it you know what I'm saying but then also the beautiful part of this movie is that Elle is so much of a stereotype and she is confident and moves through the world as herself anyway and that's what makes it so powerful and funny and great because she isn't ashamed and she's like hilarious and confident and very comfortable in who she is like you said like she isn't trying to be sexual she just is being herself and so it's kind of this weird dynamic but I think that's what makes it so good this is just jumping the gun and and getting into it but she is so smart Mm -hmm. how I remember this movie from when I was younger watching it because I I grew up watching this movie all the time probably when it still went over my head I always remembered it as like, oh, she was really pretty and the admissions board was all men and they were drooling over her and they accepted her because of her looks. But rewatching this movie, I realized, no, she got a 179 out of 180 on her LSATs. Mm -hmm. She worked her butt off. She had a 4.0. Yes, it was in fashion merchandising, but it's like she's always been smart. Even at the beginning of the movie, there's a scene where you see her about to get taken advantage of by a saleswoman and she kind of uses logic to catch her in a lie yeah and you just see right away you're like wow she's smart she just uses her smarts to pursue her interests Mm -hmm. I had the same takeaway watching it again where I thought the same thing it was the same scene where I was watching her speak and I was like wow this is a very well-spoken smart educated woman and you're totally right she just embraces what she cares about Mm -hmm. she's not trying to prove it to anybody so she's not trying to like be interested in finance and speak about that and be this like serious person that warner wants at first because she is just being herself and she doesn't feel like she needs to prove it which is cool Mm -hmm. so we start in Elle's sorority house where we see and like this was like a dream sequence when I was a kid, like seeing this house of sorority women. I was like, this is so cool. <sighs> Having lived in a sorority house, it is not like this at all. <laughs> There's the iconic song that's playing and she's brushing her hair. Mm-hmm. And very Barbie. So Barbie. And also in the show Wednesday, they use Legally Blonde, this intro as the horror movie that Wednesday watches. <laughs> I forgot about that. Like, Sun's Up starts playing. Like, I don't even know if that's the name of the song. Yeah. But then 
it just goes and she's mortified. That is so funny. And so when I was watching this scene again, I was like, oh my gosh, Wednesday. Yeah, I became iconic. It's funny how some movies and TV shows like the music becomes so iconic. And that song is definitely that for me. When we're in that intro scene and we're seeing glimpses of the sorority house, I was like, this is really familiar. Like all Mm -hmm. the girls are wearing, they're wearing pink and blue. There's this crest on a paddle that I thought looked really familiar. Mm -hmm. And then I read the script for this movie. Oh, you did? I did. Elle was supposed to be a Delta Gamma at USC. Oh. And this is a fun fact for me, but like an annoying fact for anybody else. I was a Delta Gamma. (laughs) I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Is that the, um, did you do the like sailor thing? Yeah. Actually, I think they did that in the movie. like a G. Yeah, they did that in the movie, except it was this weird, um, it was her brunette friend. She did this with a Yes. Fist. Oh my gosh, I can picture her doing it. I was like, what is she doing? And then I was like, wait, is this, is this based off of Delta Gamma? Yes. Wow. Takes a Delta Gamma to see a Delta Gamma, you know? <laughs> <laughs> was my college experience anything like this? Absolutely not. <laughs> I lived somewhere where it was illegal to have sorority houses. Wow. Really? Yeah. It's considered a brothel. (gasps) If more than like five girls or six girls live together. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Ew. How rude. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so we sort of see Elle's before life. She's so excited to go on her date with Warner. All she cares about is getting engaged. She's shopping. She's spending time with her friends. We have the iconic dress store scene like that you were talking about where... The associate is trying to upsell Elle and she catches her in a lie and kind of calls her out. So we get glimpses of sort of lawyer Elle coming in. Um, And ultimately she decides, I I guess, to wear a dress she already had or a pink dress, something that suits her personality, and then goes on her date with Warner. I don't know why Warner took her to this fancy restaurant to break up with her. No, I know. Watching it again, I was like, what a dickhead. (laughs) Like, how dare you take her to a nice Italian restaurant? And later we find out that he got back together with Vivian at his grandma's birthday party. Did you catch this? Yeah. Which would have just happened. I think. Because his grandma just visited. Yes, because Elle's friend at the dress store was like, she was saying something about what if he's not proposing? And she was like, why else would his grandma come in town other than to give him the six carat diamond? And then later we find out, oh, we got back together at my grandma's birthday party, which I'm assuming was maybe that weekend. And that kind of spurred the breakup. I hope you're right, because that's I kind of love that more. Yeah. What a jerk. What a dickhead. Although it is funny because Warner is in Vampire Diaries as Alaric, the teacher, who I actually love his character in Vampire Diaries. I love him. Yeah. He's just very endearing in that show. And so it's funny to see the difference. Vampire Diaries is filmed in Atlanta. I'm from Atlanta and that's where I lived before I moved to Denver. And Matthew Davis, who plays Warner slash Alaric in Vampire Diaries, lived right around where some of my friends lived. And one of them went to the same spin studio as him. Really? Yeah. I never saw any famous person in Atlanta, but because so much films there especially Vampire Diaries, like the cast of Vampire Diaries went to the same bars that we did in college. And wait, can wait, I'm sorry. Matthew Davis does spin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a 
allegedly. Do I need to say that? I didn't see him firsthand. I just heard about this. I love him even more now. I know. Oh, something else funny about Matthew Davis is he supposedly, well, I saw a couple quotes online. One quote was that he had a crush on Selma, which I think is so funny and cute. And then I saw another quote that he had a crush on everyone. (laughs) I saw that too. (laughs) Matt Davis, a little slute. (laughs) It's very Warner of him. Very. There's this quote that I love to hate in the Warner breakup scene where he says, if I want to be a senator, I need to marry a Jackie, not a Marilyn. Ugh. Ouch. Like, again, this is this is like stereotypes strike again, right? Like the stereotype of I can't marry somebody as like frivolous and dumb and blonde and shiny as you. I need a serious, smart woman, which is just like so minimizing and like just sucks. But also it's what makes what makes the movie turn, you know, like the stereotypes are just so ingrained. Yeah, and that really fuels Elle throughout the whole movie because everyone keeps saying that she's not serious. Her parents say she's not serious, and she's like, well, I'm going to show you. Yeah, that's a really good point that this one line is such a, like, motivator for her throughout the whole movie. Like, that's what starts the whole course, like, change of course for her. Yeah. So they break up. Elle's sad. She throws chocolate at the screen. That scene of her just, like, in bed eating Mm -hmm. chocolate that's what I think of when I think of this movie. <laughs> yeah. So Liar. <laughs> I think every person going through a breakup can relate to that scene. Totally. Totally. And it's just uh, like we run into another theme that's really important throughout this movie, which is female friendships. And it's so cute and funny to see her best friends go, you have to get out of the house. And then they take her to a nail salon to make her feel better. So cute. Which is a recurring theme throughout the movie that Mm -hmm. Elle will go to the nail salon when she's feeling bad. Yeah, which like never have I ever been to a nail salon and like cried and used it as my therapy. I just got a gel manicure for the first time. Wow. And it was at home. My sister did it. (laughs) And she said... These will last for one month. And I said, cool. And then look at my nails. Wow. She's got one left. (laughs) It's been a week. It's been one week. Yeah, but maybe we're missing out. If you guys have a nail salon person that you regularly cry to, I would like to know. Am I in the minority here? Or is that kind of (laughs) weird? Do you have a Paulette in your life? Yeah. So this is sort of where part two of Elle's motivation kicks in because she sees Warner's brother and Warner's brother's new fiance, which is, quote, like the serious Jackie type that Warner is looking for in the paper. And that's where she gets like light bulb moment. I need to be like this. I need to change myself so that Warner will want me again so I can prove to him that I'm serious enough. And she gets the idea that she's going to go to Harvard. What? Like it's hard? (laughs) I think this trope was in a lot of movies and shows around this time Mm. where the girl would go follow a man who breaks up with her or who she likes. Mm. Maybe she doesn't even know. There have been a few of those that I've seen. But this movie did it best, I think. Mm -hmm. I followed my husband to college. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, but he wasn't your ex. He wasn't my ex. And yeah, but it was interesting. I actually didn't even think about this until we're talking about it right now. At the time, he was a year older than he's still a year older than me. 
But <laughs> at the time he went to college and I was still in high school and I had wanted to go to that college because both my parents went there from like age five. And I'm the one that brought him there to go for a tour because I was like, this would be so fun. You should go here. I want to go here. You should want to go here. It's a great school. And it would piss me off so much when I would be talking to like a hair person or like my parents' friends that would be like, oh my gosh, do you want to go to the same school as him so you guys can be together? And I was just like, how fucking dare you? It was my idea. I wanted to go there first. (laughs) And also like, what is so bad about wanting to go to the same school? I don't, yeah, I don't know. I just like hated the assumption that like I was going for him. Mm -hmm. So it is funny to like see Elle do that on purpose. And then it kind of goes the opposite way where like it becomes not about him anymore. I love that. Okay. So she studies, she misses out on Greek week. She gets in. I love the scene of her getting in, of her like coming down the stairs and everyone cheering. <laughs> okay, I love how they portrayed her sorority sisters in this movie because they're all just supportive of mm-hmm. her. It's a really good point. I think a lot of times groups of women in movies and groups of girls and teenagers get portrayed as hating each other, as like being catty or competitive. It's rare that we see this type of behavior, and that's really cool. I think that's another thing that makes this movie really special. Especially in a hyper-feminine situation like this sorority, you would mm-hmm. think that they'd be like, oh, Elle, like, why, why would you want to do that? Mm-hmm. They are so supportive. One of them gives her lucky scrunchie away. Oh, I forgot about that. So cute. And then you see Elle is missing Greek week. She's missing all the fun parties and stuff to study. But so are her friends. Mm-hmm. They're helping her study. I love it. It's so sweet. I was thinking about that this week because I think a common theme of movies and TV shows that we like do this thing where in reality, everyone in her sorority probably wouldn't act like that. They might not be mean or competitive or dramatic, but they might not be as wholeheartedly supportive as they are in the movie. But I, I feel like we, I'll speak for myself though, love when movies do the quote right thing intentionally to like show an example. And this is that where like they show really healthy female relationships, even though it might not be 100% realistic to kind of exemplify what that would look like. Yes, I'm so obsessed with movies that have good female friendships. Yeah. And I think that's why this landed so well rewatching it. Yeah. I never noticed any of this the first time around. First hundred times around. (laughs) No, same. And there's um, a show that's about to come back that does a similar thing really well called Sex Education. I still haven't seen it. Oh, you have to. It's so good. But in that TV show, the main character's mom is a sex therapist. And so there's lots of talk about sex and sexuality in the show. And it's a bunch of high schoolers. And they do the same thing a lot where it's like they show the, quote, healthy relationship and like healthy discussions about that type of thing. They might not be super realistic, but it's just like nice when I think shows make the choice to like intentionally show somebody reacting appropriately. Okay, so then she gets to Harvard. She's a total fish out of water. I love the scene when she moves in <laughs> because I think it's just a perfect example of her not giving a flying fuck what anybody thinks. Like she is just loud and proud with her whole moving truck to move into her dorm. <laughs> and they call her Malibu Barbie immediately. Yeah. And this is where we have the cute scene where she introduces her and Breezer as Gemini vegetarians. Yes. And she goes to class for the first time. She does, and she has a terrible experience in class. Mm-hmm. She is in Professor Stromwell's class, 
who's played by the wonderful Holland Taylor, also longtime partner of Sarah Paulson. I never made that connection. Oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know. I love Sarah Paulson. Yeah. Yeah. They're in pop culture stuff a lot because they have such a huge age gap. I think they have like a, I'm totally pulling this out of my ass, like a 30 year age gap or something. Oh, wow. Yeah. But they're very cute together. Power couple. Yeah, very much. So Elle comes to class and she's completely unprepared. She didn't know that she was supposed to do a reading assignment before she came to class. And Stromwell basically humiliates her in front of the class and Mm -hmm. calls on a Miss Vivian Kensington, who is Selma Blair, and basically says, is it acceptable that Miss Woods hasn't done the reading? And Vivian... I kind of love her in this mm-hmm. scene. I did not like her when I watched this as a as a kid and young adult, I guess. But rewatching it, I love the facial expressions that she's making during this scene. Yeah. <laughs> and she's just so snobby and basically backs Stromwell up that Elle should be kicked out of class for mm-hmm. not having read the assignment. It's funny you say that because when Brian and I were watching it, he said the exact same thing. He, he was did. like, yeah, he was like... She is so good in this role because her facial expressions are so hilarious. She came out with a memoir recently called Mean Baby. Oh, I haven't seen that. And I want to say, I haven't read it, but I did see something on the internet that kids called her a mean baby because of her face. (laughs) (laughs) We were saying last night that she gives, she's giving serious Aubrey Plaza like similar facial expressions like she's saying so much with her face like behind people's back through this whole movie but she is way more serious than Aubrey Plaza like Aubrey Plaza would would have probably been a little silly in this role but Selma Blair just like crushes it but they feel like similar actors wait I love that yeah yeah her her facial expressions when she's acting are hilarious she makes so many so if anyone rewatches this just pay attention watch those eyebrows and then she meets Emmett. Yes. Aww, we love this meet cute. This is a good meet cute. I agree. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's so upset that she's been kicked out of class. And Emmett consoles her and then gives her tips for how to survive in her other classes. And this is where she finds out that Warner is engaged to Vivian. Which, like, again, what a dickhead move. He's calling her Pooh Bear. She has the ring. Uh, Yeah, and Pooh Bear is Elle's nickname. Mm -hmm. How dare he? How dare he? It was also interesting, something I didn't catch the first time or just didn't remember, was that he and Vivian dated in high school or prep school. So I'm like, he went from Vivian to Elle to Vivian. And they are so, I mean, you find out later they're not so different, but at surface level, extremely different people. I almost wonder, maybe your theory is right, that they got back together again or he saw her again at his grandma's birthday party. Mm -hmm. And he was like, oh, yeah, I remember Vivian is the kind of girl that I'm supposed to be with. Mm. And so I wonder if that's why he went back to her. I'm realizing a really interesting thing that they did with Warner and Elle's characters where Elle doesn't care what anyone thinks and she's not worried about what she's supposed to be doing. And Warner does everything that he thinks he's supposed to be doing to get liked. Wow, that's a good point. Yeah. And then at the end of the movie, obviously, they end up in very different places. And so there is kind of this undertone of like staying true to yourself. And Warner is the example of like the antithesis of that. Wow. Genius. I didn't realize that. I didn't either until we're talking. 
All right. And then we meet a very important person. Paulette Bonafonte. Jennifer Coolidge. Queen. I'm so glad Jennifer Coolidge is back in stuff. Same. And I'm happy that everyone has just collectively embraced her and like decided how much we love her. How could you not? Mm -mm. Oh, something that I read about this movie is they wanted to include a good female friendship in Elle's like life at Harvard. And they used Paulette for that. And then they needed something to happen in the nail salon to like bring them together and make them like really solid friends. And that's where they got the bend and snap. Because originally they were like, should we have a burglary in the nail salon? Should we like have a mystery? Should we have something that they're trying to like figure out together? And then somebody was just like, what if she just gives Paulette a tip on how to pick up the UPS guy? And then that's where they came up with it. And little did they know that would be the most iconic thing of the whole movie that everyone always remembers. (laughs) I know. I saw some interview with the choreographer where I think he did... Uh, he like choreographed for some really famous pop stars and he was like but everyone just asked me about the bend and snap (laughs) and it was one of the writers that did it one of the writers was like like this and like did the bend and snap and that's what they kept but apparently jennifer coolidge hated learning it and she was like my character would not be good at this she would not do it you know whatever and um The choreographer was like, I need you to try really hard at this because you will still be the worst dancer. And that is the point. (laughs) Wow. R.I.P. I I know. (laughs) Savage. Okay, so then back to Elle's Harvard journey where she goes to the party. Yes, she gets invited to a party that she overhears is happening from Vivian. And Vivian makes the snarky decision to tell her it's a costume party and so what does Elle do but show up in a bunny costume full playboy bunny gear and this scene is giving mean girls big time or should I say mean girls is giving legally blonde because this came first but I'm just thinking like Regina George and her bunny outfit and then Katie coming to the party being dressed very scary and not getting the memo that she's supposed to be dressed cute for Halloween And so with Elle coming and thinking that it's a costume party and then it totally not being one and her just owning it. Yeah, she didn't even say like, oh, Vivian told me it was a costume party. Not even to warn her. I would have. Same. I would have thrown her under the bus. Same. (laughs) Also, though, to be clear, I would have never gone out in the hallway and been like, oh, girls, you're talking about a party. Can I come? I would be rather be caught dead. Mortified. Yeah. No way. (laughs) So good for Elle. When I read the script, this scene was actually different. Mm. And it's so much better in the movie, how it turned out. But in the shooting script, she doesn't get invited to the party, but she overhears that it's a costume party and everyone needs to dress as their favorite defendant. Mm. So people are dressed as O.J. Simpson and Mm. just there's a bunch of different serious costumes. And then she shows up in her bunny outfit. And then when... Vivian does her snarky thing where she's like, you're supposed to be dressed as a defendant. Elle says, I am. Didn't you hear about the playboy bunny who slit her ex-boyfriend's new fiance's throat with a broken wine glass? It was tragic. (laughs) And like the key difference in the script and I think why this was in there is she was really going hard after Warner. And Mm -hmm. we see that a little bit in the movie, how it turned out. But there was more like she 
invited him on a date and he didn't show up and there's a whole lot more. And so I think even in this moment, she was still going really hard. But I love what they changed it to instead. Mm -hmm. It's way more endearing. Although that is hilarious if she had said that. (laughs) But the frigid bitch line is way better. Yeah. So much funnier. Yeah. Also, there's a really sad part in this party where Warner tells her that she's not smart enough for the internship. Terrible. That broke my heart. Terrible. And Ella's like, wait, am I on glue or did we not get into the same school? Mm-hmm. And it's just another moment where people are underestimating her. But what I love is that she's just like, screw you. I'm going to show everyone how valuable I am. Yes. I'll show you how valuable Elwoods can be. Yeah. <laughs> Jenny and I have taken a handful of screenwriting classes, and something that one of our teachers said in the first class that this makes me think of is, in real life, you don't often have the wherewithal to say the perfect thing or, like, have the right comeback or, like, make the speech, but you can give your character that ability, and that's the main way it should, like, it should be different from real life. And this, I think, is that. Like, her having the ability in the moment to be like am I on glue or did we get into the same law school and had the same like took the same LSATs and are in the same classes and I just like good for her like to see her stand up to him immediately and then like have that just like light her on fire yeah that statement is the one you remember that you should have said when you're in the shower thinking about that conversation later (laughs) exactly so that's a big turning point there's this transformation montage where she's studying her butt off she's doing better in school this was my favorite part of the movie when i was younger (laughs) i feel like this is like college study motivation Mm -hmm. her on the elliptical or the treadmill or whatever it is and she's studying when i saw that last night i was like who does that (laughs) like should i get a treadmill i've been thinking about getting a little walking pad for under my desk they they have some really good ones that i I really want to (laughs) i've looked them up I just want to be just like Elwood's. Um, but yeah, I love this montage. I love a transformation montage. Any transformation montage, like Princess Diaries, Legally Blonde. There's probably a billion others. I just love it. There's something about it that just makes me so happy. What I love about this one is she's taking law school more seriously, but she's still getting her hair done. She's still working out how she likes to, doing all of the things that she normally would do. Dressing up bruiser. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I love that juxtaposition that like she didn't have to give up what she loved in order to study harder and do well in school. That's such a good point. It's another example of Elle not feeling like she's she has to do what she's quote supposed to do. Because I think you probably in that situation, if she was like really trying to be that quote serious person She might dress differently. She might hang out with different people. And you don't see that at all, which is really cool. And I do think her her outfits in school start start changing when she gets the internship. Mm -hmm. But at this point, she's still the L that we know. This is where I feel like she starts doing it for her. Like, that's what the transformation montage is to me. Like, it's her being like, just basically everybody can get fucked. Like, I'm going to show them. And it's because I'm smart and I can do it and I know I can do it. And then she does. Yeah, it's not about Warner anymore. And she is totally over him at this point. Yeah. And she gets the internship. She does. And then... This was one of my... Actually, one of my favorite parts of the movie when she pushes through everyone. 
and sees her name on the list. And she goes, me. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, Elle, again, it's just, like, her, like, completely unapologetic confidence. Because, like, it's, like, a little bit self-centered to just, like, in front of everyone that's checking, just be like, it's me. But it's true. She did do it. She did. And she's not sorry about it. Yeah. So then we find out that she's going to be helping on a murder trial. Which apparently, I don't think that was originally in the script. I think it was something else. Yeah, I have no idea what it was, but I want to know. Yeah. So she's on the team that's defending Brooke, played by Allie Larder, I think is how you say it. She's from Heroes. I don't know if you ever saw Heroes. No. Yeah, she's a big character in that, in that show. And we find out that Brooke is one of Elle's sorority sisters. So this is great. Elle like, has her own lane, even in this murder trial. Yeah, and she's been to one of Brooke's fitness classes, so they have kind of met each other before. Mm-hmm. This is where we get the iconic line. Basically, the team is talking about how they think Brooke probably did it, and Elle is staunchly on Brooke's side and is just like, it is impossible. She would have never killed her husband because she works out so much, and that's her career. She says, happy people have endorphins, or endorphins make people happy, and happy people don't shoot their husbands. They just don't. I love how much faith she has in Brooke. And then they're trying to get an alibi from Brooke and she will not give it, refuses. So Elle takes it into her own hands to go visit Brooke in prison and get the alibi herself. Bold move as an intern. (laughs) I would never. She's an icon, really. Yeah. And I love when she goes to work the next day and Callahan's like, we got an email that Brooke... Got a visitor from her sister, a quote, Miss Delta New. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, oh, yeah, I went to get her alibi. And he's like, did you get it? She's like, yep. And he's like, well, what is it? And she's like, "Mm, I can't tell you. (laughs) I'm just like, she just dig off. Which I love. And that's ultimately how she keeps Brooke's trust the whole time. And for those who don't remember... Brooke was getting liposuction, which would destroy her career and her reputation if people found out. So it's during the trial that I feel like we start to see Elle and Emmett's relationship begin, which is really cute. They go see um, Hayworth, who is the man who was murdered, his ex-wife together that go to the spa to visit her. And it's just cute. You just get these little moments of her and Emmett together. And it's very sweet. That scene was more American Pie in the script. Actually. Really? Yeah. Um, she was naked. Oh. And Elle, so that would have been funny. <laughs> she was like naked in the spa and Elle was just like, no big deal. And she like covered her up so that Emmett and her could have a conversation with her. Quick trigger warning before we kind of talk about the end of the case. We're going to talk a little bit about sexual assault. We're going to breeze through it quickly. But just FYI, if that's something that's triggering for you, maybe skip ahead a few minutes. So then we get to, like, the darkest part of the movie, I feel, where she's in her Professor Callahan's office, and you start to get the feeling something's wrong, and he starts to kind of schmooze her, where he's like, we should talk about your career and, like, how far you'd be willing to go to get what you want. And then he puts his hand on her thigh, and it is gross. Mm -hmm. It's so gross. And Vivian sees this happen through the crack in the door. And this is right when her and Vivian have started to have a relationship, too, like a a friendship. So it's just sad. Totally agree. And this was 
I think, ahead of its time. Very much. I don't think people were really talking about workplace harassment or power dynamics or any of that, really, at the time. Yeah, and I love how Elle is just like, I think she calls her professor an asshole and Yeah, leaves. a pathetic asshole. Mm-hmm. Which, again, is just like Elle not being afraid to speak her mind. So she quits and she goes to see Paulette in the salon to tell her that she's leaving. And who does she see? She sees Professor Stromwell, Holland Taylor. This part is so sweet to me. Mm-hmm. We get the big reveal that Stromwell has been at the nail salon the whole time. And she turns around and she says, if you're going to let one stupid prick ruin your life, you're not the girl I thought you were. We never really saw uh, Stromwell start liking Elle, I don't think. But Mm-mm. I really liked this line. Yeah, it was sweet Um, because we don't see Elle get a lot of mentorship throughout the movie until this moment. She's very much on her own. No one, especially that's older um, or like that has more experience, really like really believes in her, except for maybe Emmett. And then to see her older professor that was originally hard on her back her up is really cool. So then Elle does a big screw you to Callahan and... Through some loophole that I don't even know if it's real, she's able to lead the case with Emmett as her, what, like, licensed lawyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we see a, like, actually pretty funny scene where Elle comes in and is just, like, ready to take over the world. She is going to be the new lawyer. Emmett stands up for the judge and says, I'll back her up. Callahan is upset. And is like, you're making a huge mistake. Elle's best friends come into the courtroom and they're like, oh, it's so cute, this little judge and everything. Go, Elle. (laughs) (laughs) And Elle's loving it. And then she's left alone. Then she's there to actually be a full-fledged lawyer. And she kind of freezes and is pretty freaked out. And Emmett, God bless him, is like, have a little faith. Just like he's like encouraging her from the sidelines, which was really cute. And then Elle does Elle's thing. Yeah, I love that she's like stalling and she says maybe like six times you were in the shower. (laughs) (laughs) And um, the daughter of Brooke's husband who died Mm -hmm. is on the stand and she says that she was in the shower. And then Elle is trying to figure out like how she didn't hear the gunshot, whatever. She's in the shower. And then things finally click when she decides to ask the daughter, what else she did that day. And she says that she got a perm. And Elle's knowledge of hair care saves the day. The cardinal rule of getting a perm is that you cannot wash your hair. And Elle kills it. Mm-hmm. It's so cool to just, like, see her just go off. Like, all everything clicks into place. And she wins. She gets a confession from the daughter. I'm pretty sure that this scene made a ton of girls want to be lawyers. Yeah, I would not be surprised by that at all. It's so good. I think mm-hmm. Reese Witherspoon gets told a lot that people became lawyers because of her. Probably. So Chutney, which like I hate that that's her name, <laughs> the daughter who ended up confessing, is actually played by Linda Cardellini, I think is how you say it. And she's one of the stars of Dead to Me. I don't know if you've seen that show on Netflix. With Christina Applegate, who would have played Elle. Yeah, true. I didn't even recognize her until we were, like, in the trial. I had never put together before that that was the same person. 
She looks so different with really, really curly hair. Mm-hmm. And she's so much younger. I love her. It's wild. Um, and so then when they're walking out of the courtroom after Ella's had her big victory, Warner basically takes it all back. He's just like, you, I was wrong. You are the one I've been looking for. Blah, blah, blah. And then she just like flips his like breakup line on him, which was incredible. If I'm going to be a partner at a law firm by the time I'm 30, I need a boyfriend who's not such a bonehead. Yeah. <laughs> Something like that. Something like that. Oh, incredible. And then she just marches off into all the cameras or like all the cameras flashing. And yeah, it was beautiful. Yep. And then we flash to the ending. Flash forward two years. It's their graduation. And Elle gives a wonderful speech about having faith in people, which she shows that she does the entire movie, even when they don't deserve it. Mm -hmm. Having faith in Brooke that helped her win the case. And then she says, ultimately, you must have faith in yourself. So good. So cute. It's it's the perfect ending. And I love when movies also flash text over the screen to give us all the other updates that we wanted. And so we get that. We get that her and Vivian are best friends. Warner graduated without any job prospects and no girlfriend. And that Emmett is going to propose to her tonight. Okay, can I just say I love that we never get any of her and Emmett's relationship. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's a hot take, but this isn't a rom-com to me. I, I don't know. I just I love that we just learn about their relationship and that they get a happy ending, but we don't need to see it. Mm-hmm. They let the movie be about Elle instead of about Ellen Warner and then Ellen Emmett, which is really cool. But that's not how the ending was originally going to be. Mm-mm. You had a bunch of endings that you found. Yeah, I was I was uh, reading an interview with the screenwriters and there was like four or five endings that they had tried out first. I don't know if they ended up filming them or if this was just early in development. One of them was um, where Elle and Vivian were on a beach together. Like, could be friends, could be romantically involved. They were holding hands, right? Yeah, I think so. That's like the, that was how it was going to end, which is like so interesting and different. I'm not mad at it. No. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know if that's been confirmed or not by screen, the screenwriters. I heard that one of the girls who plays her best friends in the sorority mm-hmm. Um, the actress was like, yeah, I remember this being the ending. And then the screenwriters were like, no, we never wrote that. <laughs> okay, maybe that's where I got it. That's funny. But yeah, I, I loved that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, what a twist. Love that. But what a twist. There was also an ending where it was Emmett and Elle kissing. So mm-hmm. we like saw them that they were actually in a relationship. Again, based on what we just said, I love that they just kept it about Elle, but also gave us the update, you know, that she kind of got or like healthy relationship ending. Um, then there was also one where it cut to her a year later in law school, just like thriving. And then there was also a version where they had a musical number in the court, which now that I know the other one isn't true, I'm wondering about the validity of this. No, I think I'm sure that they had a musical number planned and it was probably with the bend and snap. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> I don't know if I would have liked that ending, though. Since I read the script, uh, the ending is different in the script. Oh. So she has her uh, standoff with Warner. She and Warner actually kiss. Oh. Like, he kisses her afterwards. And then she makes a comment like, "Mm, no, not you. Mm -hmm. And then she kisses Emmett. And then it flashes to later on. And she is on campus and there's like this booth that she's running Elle has started a blonde legal defense club 
at school. <laughs> I love that. And this really nervous girl comes up to her. And I think she's standing with Emmett at the booth. This nervous girl comes up to her and is like, do you have to be blonde to join? And Elle goes, only blonde at heart. And then the camera pans to Vivian's character, who has dyed her hair blonde. (laughs) I actually love that ending. And that's where the movie ends. In the script. That's really cute. I love that. But I so prefer the graduation one. And I guess they had shown the ending to a bunch of test audiences. Mm. And they didn't like it. It was just, I think, because people didn't feel like it was a rom-com and they wanted to know what happened with Elle's career. Mm. That was like the more important part of the movie. So they actually brought Luke Wilson and Reese Witherspoon back from roles that they were doing after they moved on from Legally Blonde Mm. to film this ending again and do the graduation scene. And so both Luke Wilson and Reese Witherspoon are wearing wigs in that scene. I was going to say, I have always thought that she was wearing a wig, but I'm like, why? I don't get it. She is blonde, so why? But it must have been because of that. Yeah. To make her hair look exactly the same. Huh. And he is. That's funny. I never noticed that. Because <laughs> I guess he had shaved his head for the Royal Tenenbaums. Oh, interesting. So he had to wear one, too. Wow. The way it turned out was the best it could have. It felt really satisfying. We don't always get movies with endings that are really satisfying where every loop is closed. Oh, the one we forgot was Paulette. With the UPS man. Having a baby named Elle. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah, we just, we closed every loop and every piece of it was just as satisfying. And I loved that. And so there's been some action with Legally Blonde since. There's been a Legally Blonde 2, which I love that movie. I've never seen it. (gasps) Jenny! No! (laughs) Is that our next one? (laughs) Yeah, you have to watch it. It's just as good, I think. It's really good. Um, And they're doing a Legally Blonde 3. I heard that. Do you know anything about it? I know that Mindy Kaling and Dan Gore, I don't know if that's how you say his name, are writing it. And it was originally supposed to come out later this year. But because they're trying to make the script perfect, it's actually going to be probably late next year. Well, I am glad they're taking their time because I think that these like remakes and reunions of of old classic movies and TV shows, they have to be done right. I feel like they'll do it right. I trust Mindy Kaling for sure. I think it's gonna be really good. Just not with Scooby-Doo. She do Scooby-Doo. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's a story for another time. Okay. <laughs> and there was a musical. It was a Lily Blonde musical. I bet you can watch that on YouTube. Probably. I haven't seen it. But I've listened to a bunch of the songs from it. I loved it. And I think it was in high school when it came out. So yeah, Legally Blonde 3. Get to look forward to that. And it has a lot of the same cast. I know it has Reese and Jennifer Coolidge, at least. Good. Yeah. That's good. And I heard that Luke Wilson wants to be in something. So I hope he comes back. I I didn't see his name on the confirmed cast list, but I hope that he's part of it. That would be great. Yeah. Yay. Well, I'm so surprised that I loved this movie as much as I did rewatching it. It was so fun. Me too. It made my heart very happy. It fits in the the Barbie era's tour, the Summer I Turn Pretty era that we're in right now. Fits right in. Yep. If you guys have any other summer movie suggestions, please drop them in the comments or head to our Instagram at what we're watching pod. We would love to know what you guys are watching. Yes. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to our third episode. If you liked it, please 
leave us a rating and a review. We're brand new and we would really appreciate it. Yeah, it'll help out so much. I think that's all. Any other closing thoughts? We did it. (laughs) See you next time. Thanks for listening. Bye.